Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Haller. We've got David Wilson today. Now, this is um, something I want you to pay attention to because there's, there's three major reasons why I want you to listen to this show. The first one is he could potentially be a magnificent guest on your financial services podcast. There's number one. Number two, he's going to talk about how he has differentiated himself into the marketplace. That's number two. And then number three, he's going to talk about how he has not only used podcasting, but the marketing that he does to get advisors' attention, which in turn gets him in front of ideal prospects, which by the way, are all of your existing clients. He is not competition for you. This is going to be a lot of fun. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. All right, brother, let's start. I want to know a little bit about, about you as a person, though, before before we really set the stage of all of the awesome marketing and those sorts of things that you're doing to raise awareness. How did you become this financial coach? And what does that mean to you? It's been quite the journey. And it actually goes all the way back to my high school days where I took my per first personal finance class. And ever since that day, I stuck to it like glue. I applied the things that I learned in high school, in college, ended up getting a debt-free degree, got into a movie, and then since then, realizing that this stuff is so powerful, I've made it my personal mission to spread this message with young people in particular of how they can win with money. That's a powerful statement, dude. It sounds to me like you've practiced that just a little bit because that's a heck of a hook, brother. So- when you, when, when, let's say, let's, let's just do brass tacks here. When an advisor brings you in, um, what do you do for the advisor? And then what do you do for those advisors clients? When an advisor brings me in, my goal is to help change the mindset and the habits to position the client to be uh, someone that would be a normal customer of the advisor. So if a customer is struggling with paying off debt or just budgeting and doesn't have any free money to invest, that's my job. So we change those behaviors, imp we implement the right tools, and then warm handoff to the advisor to help get them saving for their kid's college fund, saving for retirement, and all the other things that would fall under the advisor's job. So an advisor who's listening to this right now, what are some of the key pain points that they would want to identify to bring somebody like you in? The key pain points would just be, how do they feel when it comes to money? Like if they're talking about it and see that they're visually uncomfortable and when they use probing questions to see if they're not in control of their finances, those would be red flags to me to say, hey, it's time to bring in a financial coach to help with those pieces, get that baseline framework set, and then we can start focusing on the other things that an advisor would deal with. I'm going to play devil's advocate here, David, and, and forgive me if this comes across a, a little bit straightforward, but aren't advisors supposed to do this? I mean, why would they bring you in if this is something that they pride themselves on doing? See, I think it relates well back to what you first said. Like, we aren't competition. This is a partnership. 
So when you outsource that part of the job to me, it frees up more time to you for you to meet with clients to talk about the things that are truly in your wheelhouse. So we can both be experts in different areas and work together to make the client successful. So this is a huge model kind of paradigm shift that's happening in our industry because before advisors looked at everybody who offered any sort of financial advice as competition, including estate planning attorneys, CPAs, all of those sorts of people, right? But now they're bringing in people like you. Um, I had a guy who's the college funding coach on that really helps navigate some of those components. But the difference with you is your inspirational story about how you did this yourself. Proofs in the pudding because David did this for himself. How did you figure all of that stuff out, dude? I mean, that you're a young guy now. You were wicked young then. How did you actually navigate these things? Uh, navigating the financial topics was difficult at a young age because up until that personal finance class, which is the Ramsey Foundations and Personal Finance course, that's what I took. My parents never really talked to me about money. It was a it was a topic that was avoided at the dinner table. So once I learned those things, like I said before, I just stuck to it. It was simplistic. I understood it, and then because I saw the changes that happened in my life because of it. That's why I love spreading the message. But the actual application was the hard part. The concepts are simple, but the application through the college years and even into my adulthood now uh, is what's been the most difficult thing. We have a mutual friend. So you were a guest on one of our existing clients' podcasts, which is one of the ways that you market it. And David, we are going to start, we're going to talk about marketing here in just a few minutes. But I want you to talk about what it's like working with advisors. What is it like? Where does the handoff happen? Um, how does so when you're done with them? And then I want to talk about the reciprocation of that. When do they hand off to you? And how have advisors realized that bringing you in or people like you in can help their practice overall? The relationship with the advisor is ongoing and not necessarily client specific. So I've had the pleasure of working with people like Jeremy Kyle, as well as Art Rainier and so, some other folks that podcast. And what happens is if I have a client that comes in and they're looking for financial coaching, I'll walk them through the, the first steps of laying that foundation. So for me, that's getting control over their debt, paying that off, saving an emergency fund. And then after that point, I hand them off to the advisor to talk about saving for retirement and those other topics. Vice versa, if an advisor has a client come in and clearly they're not in a position to start allocating money towards retirement because they're dealing with all these fires around them, the credit cards, the student loans, et cetera, they would say, hey, I have this guy, he's a young guy, and <laughs> they send him over my way, hand him back, and we work with them to get them to that same point and then hand back to the advisor. So I almost look at the financial coach as the quarterback type position. Like if someone needs help with an advisor, once they get to that point, I send them there. But same thing with uh, planning for wills and uh, other just large money topics. I have a network of people that I work with to complement my expertise. Something we talk about all the time, David, on this show is to make sure that we're giving advisors tools to separate themselves from the advisor down the street. It sounds to me like by bringing you in as the financial coach, which allows the advisor to really stay in their financial planning lane, investment management lane, uh, all of those things, 
but there's still this behavioral component. How are you setting up the advisor's clients for success from a behavioral finance standpoint so they continue to implement the stuff you taught them with the advisor? It's a great point. Personal finance is 20% head knowledge, 80% behavior. So that is what we truly focus on. And a big part of that is just first giving them that head knowledge, but then serving as a long-term accountability partner with our regular meetings and helping them put the guardrails in place for their own accountability, whether it be having someone else that they talk to about their budget or uh, just written numbers that say, hey, if we're out of line here, that means we're not doing what we said we want to do uh, to reach the goals that we've set. So a lot of it is just minimal, giving them the knowledge, but mostly focusing on accountability and helping them build a framework that keeps them accountable long term. Frequency. Talk about frequency. How often are you meeting with these people? What is the average? What are you seeing to maintain that level of appropriate behavior? So it depends on the client and how complicated their situation is. For most of my clients, we started off meeting two times a month, and then we'll taper down to either once a month or bi-monthly as they get a hang of things. There are times where I will have a client call back and say, oh my goodness, we went totally off the rails this month. And that's when they call me and we get into more of a frequency. So they get an awareness of like what's on track, what's off track, and we adjust the frequency based on that. But usually starting off two times a month and then monthly to review their budget, other big financial goals for the month. And we keep that relationship ongoing throughout the the whole course of when they need it. Are you paid by the advisor or are you paid by the client directly? That's a, a great question and something that I've thought about building a a different pricing system around because currently I'm paid directly by the client and it's just a straight flat fee per meeting. Uh, but for an advisor relationship, it may be beneficial to say, hey, this guy's going to free up a fair amount of my time by taking care of these coaching situations. Could I just pay him directly on behalf of the client as they work through those initial steps? So that's something I've thought about. I haven't put it in place, but right now it's direct pay from the client. You and I do the same thing every day, which is try to get financial advisors' attention so that they hire us so that we can help them live better lives, stronger lives, smarter lives, more efficient lives, keep them in their lane. You do it with financial coaching, which is the the rubber meets the road aspect of financial planning. And then we do it from a marketing perspective, from outsourcing the marketing. What are you doing, dude? Uh, We have a lot of people, by the way, who listen to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast who aren't actually independent advisors. They're people who provide services to advisors. In fact, that's the largest, fastest growing component of our, our, our offering is working with media companies and coaching programs and RIAs and broker dealers. How are you, what sort of activity do you do to get advisors' attention? So- A lot of it deals with just marketing and getting clients myself through various social media channels. I also have a podcast called the Your Debt-Free Degree podcast, which focuses on young people. But you know what advisors love more than a social media post? They love a warm handoff, a referral. 
So what I'm trying to do is spread awareness just of personal finance on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and then gather my own clients, get them to a point where they're ready for an advisor, and then hand them off to the advisor. So that's that's a major way of how I start building relationships with advisors. Additionally, I've been on a lot of podcasts just like this uh, with advisors, like I mentioned before, Jeremy Kyle, Art Rainier, and then uh, other people who are in the personal finance space to just tell them what I do and say, this is what I specialize in. This is how I can help you. And let's work together. Just so everybody knows, those two podcasts that he's named now twice are in the top 20 of all retirement podcasts in the United States. Um, Okay. So that's how you're getting advisors' attention. I want to talk a little bit about your direct-to-consumer marketing strategy. Now, you just listed the bevy of the big five pretty much, right? Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, TikTok, and Instagram, right? Those are the big five. Let's break down each of those, right? So where are you finding the most success getting your the actual client, not the advisor who's referring a business, the actual young person, younger person, which, I mean, man, you don't even have to work with young people in time. I mean, there are people in their 50s who need your help. How are you getting their attention? What media, so which one of those social media platforms are you finding the most success in? Good question, because I, this is where I'm going to seem not very creative. I do a lot of content repurposing. So I'll admit that my LinkedIn content is that that big content that I then distribute out to the various other channels by modifying it slightly. So on LinkedIn, I've had a good measure of success just because of the the network that I've established and the topics that I write about are applicable to different age groups and those get shared out. Hey everybody, it's Matt jumping in here real quick. Again, I wanna ask you something. Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Do you want to finally get your voice out in the marketplace? If you are nodding yes, then please join the Pod Rocket Academy. It has courses and guides that makes it really easy to build your social presence and also to start a podcast. Get your free beginner membership by going to proudmoth.com forward slash episode 362. So I've seen a lot of success on LinkedIn, uh, but then what I'll do is I'll take that image modify the content slightly, and then go on to Instagram, post there, Twitter, I'll do a very summarized version. And then I put that into video form, either through an Instagram reel or a TikTok. And right now, my reach is by far the most on LinkedIn, even though I have more followers on TikTok. Uh, but I'd see actually TikTok, as crazy as it sounds, as the area where I get most engagement from people that I like serving, that 18 to 30 year old range. I'm meeting them where they're at and being a voice of reason in all the insanity that is TikTok. So that's why I continue to push that platform. I think the uh, the poo-pooing of TikTok is absolutely irrelevant. It really has become irrelevant over the last about 12 months. It's unbelievable uh, how the algorithm works. You know, if you watch a video in its entirety, the algorithm marks and notes that. And okay, so they're interested in personal finance. So they're going to find all of the ones who are categorized or tagged appropriately. I want to talk about that because Instagram and TikTok explicitly and specifically having an appropriate hashtag strategy is really important. Are there consistent ones that you use that you've seen are getting more and more attention and help you get found? For me, it's usually personal finance, 
budgeting money talk like t-o-k that's big on tiktok but also it translates to instagram weirdly enough because most people just repurpose their tiktok content on instagram so those are a couple of hashtags that i've had a lot of success with success with what i've really learned with the platforms is you can't direct reposts because the algorithm picks up when there's a tiktok watermark or when there's an instagram watermark so fun fact for everyone who's trying to make the strategy work make your initial baseline video on Instagram, download it before you post, and then you can repost on TikTok without the watermark. And, th- and that's how I do a nice. lot of my things. Okay, that's a super golden nugget, everybody, uh, because that's the way that you beat the algorithm, right? It's very important for you to make sure uh, that you do that correctly. You're using a marketing strategy that has been proven over time, right? Seth Godin said content marketing is the only marketing left. Gary Vanderchuk, who's the person who does the single point of entry, where did you learn that? When did you have that epiphany and say, oh my God, I need to market? Like oh, lots of Gary, I admit. It's lots of Gary, as well as Seth Godin, <laughs> like Purple Cow. Yeah. That Those have been influential yeah. books for me. And I haven't been in this space a long time. I actually got a college degree in marketing, but didn't apply that in my career at all. And now I'm using all these books and different resources. But uh, the probably the most influential book out of all those is Steal Like an Artist, because I work a day job and that dominates most of my time. So it's difficult to be creative after after work hours. So Steal Like an Artist has made me put together this list of people's content that I really enjoy. And I'll be totally transparent. I just scroll through, find something, hey, how can I reframe this, but in my voice and make it valuable for my audience? And that's all I do. And it's made content creation so much easier. Same with recycling. 30 days is usually what I give uh, to talk about a topic again, because most people forget by that time. Man, I really... I'm going to make sure my social media team takes what you just said and plaster it everywhere. David, we hear all the time from our clients, Matt, I'm going to run out of things to talk about. And it just baffles me that they think that way. Well, Matt, I already talked about RIAs, or I already talked about Roth conversions, or I already talked about the fiduciary standard. How long ago did you tell you think they're going to remember that? That was two years ago, right? Why are you always having to think that you have to come up with fresh content? And David, what they'll say to me is, well, isn't that what the algorithms want? How are you repurposing that content? You're, I'm assuming, are shooting fresh opinions on something you've already talked about. Is that fair? Yes, exactly. And the topic is very important because what you can do is when you identify a topic that goes well. So For me, for example, when I talk about the time value of money and how that impacts someone's savings for retirement, people go bonkers over that thing because it talks about them being a millionaire. That makes sense. So I know that when I write about that topic, it's going to do well. So I look back similarly to other topics that I've tracked uh, via LinkedIn. I can look at the, the, the analytics there and see like, hey, this did well. So then I'll go back and use that again going forward and you begin to create more optimized content as you continue to create over time. I think people overthink it, dude. That's what I think. I really do. I think that advisors, people in financial services and experts in general are always just so concerned that they have to come across with this professional polish and area of brilliance in everything that they do. Um, How do you feel about that? 
I would totally agree. And I used to be the same way until I started thinking in terms of content, meaning just a different way to look at life, look at the things I'm doing as stories that I could wrap into topics that are relevant to my audience. For example, I just wrote a LinkedIn post about a calzone, <laughs> a lasagna calzone, and related to that, you can apply your various skill sets to make something totally different than what you're doing with your day job to help earn extra income. So it's just a mindset shift looking at the world differently. And before that, I would always be very cut and dried and think I needed the super organized stuff. But now it's like, hey, if I can apply this life situation in a way that makes someone smile, makes them laugh, inspires them, those type of things, I'll write about it. And that's why you are gaining so many followers is because there's a there's a Davidness to everything that you're posting. And uh, I, we just posted something yesterday that has gone viral in our world. We have over 2000 people who are viewing the post and commenting and all of that stuff. And it was really about the personality component of your content. If you're always selling in your podcast, nobody's going to listen. If you're only talking about Roth conversions and 401ks and life insurance policy, nobody's going to continue to listen. Is that education important? You're finding a way to provide education, but still make it warm and conversational and approachable. Um, by the way, that calzone thing sounds absolutely disgusting <laughs> to me. But um, it's funny because people might have a very visceral reaction to a lasagna-filled calzone, but isn't that what we're looking for? Don't we want them to have a reaction? Because that's going to get clicks, get eyes, get followers, right? I would say we want them to have a reaction, which is why that more off the wall content is something that I've seen be more successful than just writing directly about how you can apply different skills to do something other than your day job. Like if I just wrote about that, people won't be interested. But if I throw up a picture of a calzone with lasagna in it, someone's going to look right. <laughs> well, one of the things that we've started using is we've used a video, little video clips or, or, or pictures like that. Um, I'm a big fan of the Muppets. I made it very apparent that my goal in life is to actually become a Muppet. And so our social media team posts Muppets a lot on, on my thing. And it's funny because those posts that are, are really quite ridiculous, get way more engage engagement than these, you know, here's why you should do business with. I mean, come on, man. Look, it's, it's, don't do that. Let's build a relationship. Let's try to do what we can to make people feel us. Um, okay. Um, where, what do you want to do? Like, let, let's talk about that a little bit. This isn't part of the questions. I'm, I'm totally going off the rail here with you, but like, where do you see yourself in five years? I mean, is this a full-time gig? Are you traveling nationally? Do you do everything remotely? Are you speaking at conferences? What, what, what does David want? Very relevant question. I will say that my big goal setting weekend is actually this weekend where I'm starting to reevaluate some things, but my, my day job is fine. Like I'm a project manager at an insurance company, but this is what I do outside of work. So I do the work as a financial coach. I teach classes virtually across the nation. I have the Your Debt-Free Degree podcast. But then the thing that I'm most, most passionate about is I go to any school, organization, business to talk about big money topics or my personal thing to help other students get a debt-free degree. So I would love to do that full time. But right now, because of the, the movie and that experience and 
I know how it's impacted me and I want more young people to feel the way I feel about money. Most of the stuff I just do pro bono. So uh, right now my standing offer is like, if there's a topic that you would like me to talk about that's relevant to my expertise anywhere in America, I will drive there, I will sleep in my car and I will make it happen totally free. That's just where I'm at in life. That's how a lot of us start, dude. When when we started this, we were podcasting with anybody at any time, didn't charge them at all, right? We just wanted to get more and more of these under our belt, test our systems and all of that. that that's how greatness, I believe, we believe happens is by putting in the work and putting in the time. Um, so that's awesome. Well, enjoy your goal setting weekend. Uh, I, those, those are something I look forward to. And then I as an ex coach, uh, I get a lot of anxiety, like the night before, like, Oh my God, I'm really going to be diving into my soul here. Uh, and then when I get into it, uh, you know, that's, that's something I really love. I want to make sure that everybody follows you on social. Uh, so we're going to make sure that we have all of those links in our show notes. And so don't worry about that. We'll put those in the show notes. Um, but I think there's a lot of things that people can learn from you. Number one, obviously that having a financial coach, involved in a financial services practice is a great thing to add. It's an and, it's not an or. So that's really important in my mind. Number two, the more human your social media posts are and the repurposing of content that you know has already done well, and three, making it so that you understand the hacks, which you gave a couple of very good ones, the hacks that you can do so that you can uh, promote your stuff on all of those different platforms without the platforms getting grumpy, is really, really, really powerful. All right. What should I have asked you that I didn't? In regards to marketing, I would like to continue to push people to that Instagram, TikTok world. So if there's anything there that you're like, I've talked to clients about this and they don't really understand why we do this on these platforms. Those are questions that I am qualified to answer and would love if you have them. <laughs> well, and I think that, uh, you know, the, a TikTok strategy to me, uh, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, um, compliance is very grumpy about TikTok, specifically, mostly because of the algorithmic permissions and the permissions you have to have to just use the platform, right? And so there are a lot of security issues that compliance, I don't actually know any licensed financial services professional that's actively using it, but they can use Instagram Reels, they can use Facebook Stories, and they can use LinkedIn Live, right? So those are three things that you can do. We upload video to, to LinkedIn all the time, all the time. So do you have any video tips, dude? Let, let's talk reels because that is one area that's not being utilized by enough people. And Facebook themselves has said, hey, we're pushing this. Uh, well, Facebook, Instagram, yeah, they're combined. Uh, so what you can do with reels is really cool. I look at reels as a billboard for who I am as a person and what I do. And the reason I do that is because the algorithm for Instagram reels is totally separate than what's on your post feed and allows you to reach more people via those pointed hashtags. So if you're not utilizing them, do. If you can, combine it with a sound that's popular. Uh, but try and keep your video under 15 seconds. That's where I've seen most of my success. And then make sure that you have enabled that video to cross post onto Facebook so you'll get double reach through your page. 15 seconds. Under 15. We got so, we have short attention spans these days. Oh, <laughs> you know, I was joking with my kids. Um, we were watching videos together. So, you know, my twin 19 year old boys were watching videos together all the time, right? A commercial came on on YouTube or whatever. 
and it was a 30 minute commercial you couldn't skip. I, I was, I was losing my crap, dude. I was like, Oh my God, you're <laughs> kidding me. First off, who takes 30 seconds to say anything anymore? And if you can't, and I say this to my kids all the time, if you can't communicate exactly what your value proposition in five seconds or less, you lost me. I'm done. Right. And these are people who spend millions of dollars on marketing and they're still marketing like it's what my kids would call the 1900s. Right. So, everybody, if you want to really get into the world of the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th century, right, of what marketing is now and how it works, if you're looking at getting to a younger demographic, you got to be on TikTok, you got to do Instagram reels, you have to be on Instagram, and you have to be posting tightly edited, good content that's wildly personal. All right, David, I want to thank you so much for your time today. This was a lot of fun. Um, thank you for what you do. You know, helping anybody with those behavioral aspects of finance is really what makes everybody terribly uncomfortable, as you know, because talking about money in this country is still wildly taboo. And you help people have those real conversations and help them make good decisions so that they don't get in crippling debt, which is wonderful um, and allows them to feel more empowerment and most importantly, have the freedom that I think a lot of people desire. So I want to thank you for what you do, brother. Um, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's a great opportunity. All right, everybody. Here's the thing. I want you to obviously connect with David. We're going to put all of his social media stuff. If you're running a podcast right now, you can see he's a damn good guest. Get him on your show. If you're a financial services professional and you want to talk about going to college debt-free, getting out of college debt-free, and really making sure that you're bringing in a financial coach's perspective into your financial services practice, please have David come on the show. Um, those two podcasts that he brought up, they're really, really very well uh, listened to podcast and wildly influential. They brought him on because they know he does great stuff. There's number one. Number two, take his advice about social. Stop overthinking all of these content worries that you have. He said 30 days. If you've talked about it 30 days ago, people do have short attention spans, especially if it's really part of your marketing and branding message. You need to reinforce that on a regular basis. And finally, if you want to actually have your own podcast, or if you want to truly learn how to do content marketing the best way possible, you have two options. Number one, you can do it yourself. And if you want to do it yourself, join the Pod Rocket Academy. It's entirely free, or you can outsource it to a trusted professional, which is our organization with our Influence Accelerator system, where we've done over 5,000 episodes that are totally compliant for financial services professionals. If you want to know more about that, just go ahead and send me a quick message. Uh, we'd be more than happy to help you. So for David, all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.